the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome to another issue slash podcast of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. I, it's rundown, isn't it? It's the rundown. It's rundown. Uh, my name is George Brockler. This right here is Michael Fields. And uh, today we're, we've got a very, very special guest on. He's not just a former elected official, and that is the Arapahoe County clerk and recorder from back in the day. He is the current executive director of the Colorado Clerks Association. Uh, you know him better as Matt Crane. Matt, thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. <laughs> That's a huge mistake, by the way. We'll try to <laughs> ask try me to again at the down end. that enthusiasm as we dive into the topic, and that is your tax returns. <laughs> we, <laughs> I wanted to have you on to have a conversation about something called RCV. No, that's not an STV. That stands for Ranked Choice Voting. It's something that may be coming to Colorado, and I think you've been the one sounding a little bit of the alarm on this. Tell us what Ranked Choice Voting is. Sure. So ranked choice voting is a voting model. You know, right now in Colorado, we have a plurality system. So the person with the most votes wins, regardless of whether or not they get uh, to 50 percent plus one of the turnout. Whoever gets the most votes wins. Um, Ranked choice voting would change that model um, and say, so let's say the three of us are on a ballot together. Right. And the voters, instead of voting for one of us, would have the opportunity to rank uh, their preferences for us. So let's say they like Michael first, George, you second, and me third. Um, they would rank their candidates that way. And then if there was no candidate that got 50% plus one of those votes, then if I was the third candidate you know, across the board, then uh, my votes would drop off and everybody who voted for me first it would go to their second choice candidate. So let's say it went to, it, they would vote, more people who voted for me voted for George second than they did you, Michael. So then that would mean at the end of the second round, Michael, even though you were ahead at the beginning, you could be trailing George in the second round. And so it's, you know, this is something um, that we have a lot of concerns about for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll get to that through the course of this conversation today. But um, the, the Clerks Association um, is very concerned about this right now. Now, it, sounds, it sounds so simple when you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> but this just happened right in Alaska in uh, a congressional race, a special election, I believe, where Sarah Palin, I believe, was in, in front to start out with. And then when the ranked choice voting came in, she ended up losing. Is that right? That's correct. Um, so there's ranked choice voting, uh, ranked choice voting in Alaska and in Maine statewide right now. Um, actually, um, Colorado passed a law. I think it was, um, not this past session, but the session of 21 that allowed municipalities, uh, to run ranked choice voting elections as well. So the nose is already under the tent a little bit. And we certainly know that, uh, there are ranked choice voting proponents that are going to look to expand, um, the reach of that particular model. 
why do you know you think about mayor race in denver for example or louisiana or the georgia where you had the senate runoff there is another process to get to 50 percent, and that is having another election with just two people i guess what is uh you know that happens in some places what's the negative or positive compared to this ranked choice voting so so for ranked choice voting there are a couple of positives if you if you look at it at a very superficial level one like in Denver, you, you mentioned they have a runoff now. So if somebody doesn't get 50% in the, in the first election in May, they do the runoff in June. If you use ranked choice voting, it's also called instant runoff voting um, in other places. If you use that, you save money on conducting a second election, which can be very expensive. I think the other use case for it, um, certainly what the proponents are putting out now, is if you think about the presidential primary back in uh, 2020, when you had a lot of the Democratic candidates that jumped out of the race at the last moment, and everybody who voted, uh, who had already cast their ballot, the people who voted for those candidates like uh, Klobuchar um, and Mayor Pete, the people that voted for those folks, their votes were just tossed out because those candidates dropped. So if they had the opportunity to rank their choices, they would still have um, input on on who potentially wins that race. Um, the problem, the fundamental problem that I have and that clerks have with ranked choice voting, you know, we hear a lot of our friends and people talk about, you know, election administration is not about who wins. It's about who votes and making sure people can do that accessibly that. and securely. Right. Yeah. Ranked choice that. voting is absolutely about who wins and not who votes. And so as election administrators, we have a really tough time um, changing a model to try to get different outcomes. How do they do that, man? How does this change who we're voting for as opposed to who votes? Well, so the the, pe- the people, the proponents of this, um, you know, they're, they're people um, that have been on the scene here for a while. And what they're looking for, I think, are more moderate candidates or more um, widely diverse set uh, of not candidates, they uh, winners, right? They want more moderate winners. Um, and then others think this will lead to a more diverse um, set of winners as well. And so it's really for those folks, it really is about changing outcomes. We've seen this a little bit in terms of, you know, when we opened our primaries with 107 and 108, um, or at least semi open primaries the way they are now. So it's, it's a group of people who want to try to moderate those who win, thinking that they can get more, um, more done legislatively. Who, who is pushing this, man? Who's going to back this thing? It's, it takes some money to get things on a ballot. Michael knows that. Well, so we know, um, you know, I think Kent Theory is somebody um, who is very passionate about this, and he's been very engaged civically here in Colorado. Um, you know, he was he was one of the strong proponents behind 107 and 108 and the recent um, uh, changes to our redistricting laws, um, trying to impact um, uh, impact change that way. Um, so I think he and his team are very interested in this. Um, and as clerks, we're always willing to have the conversation, but we haven't really been able to get answers to the questions we have. Um, not just about, you know, changing, you know, trying to change who wins instead of who votes, but there's a lot of reporting out, um, and some data starting to come out that this ranked choice voting has a disproportionate impact on people of color and seniors. Um, matter of fact, the head of the New York, uh, NAACP just came out after their disaster with it, um, recently and said that she wanted to get rid of it. It was a racist system designed to suppress the vote. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't think it's designed to suppress the vote. I think that's, you know, that's hyperbole there, certainly. Um, but I do think there are impacts for people that are uh, historically underrepresented in the voting process. Um, and in a time when we're trying to make voting easier, um, you know, we shouldn't be throwing complications. That's going to cause confusion for people. 
Hey, there's something else that's being talked about out there. I don't know if you think it's got the same um, potential to show up on a ballot in the next term or two, but there's this jungle primary thing that goes on in California. Is that a companion to ranked choice voting? Is it separate from? How does that work? Right. It's not a companion. Um, it is, it's separate from, but it's certainly the way that, um, in Alaska they do. So California does a top two. And for those who don't know what that means in the primary election right now, we have ours Republicans running against Republicans and D's running against, uh, D's. In this new model with top two, everybody would be thrown into the same contest in a primary. So the all D's, all U's, all R's, Greens, Libertarians, the whole enchilada is thrown into the primary. In California, the top two vote getters, regardless of party, move to the general. In Alaska, the top four move to the uh, move through, uh, to the general. Um, and in Alaska, they do use ranked choice voting. So if you think about that, let's let's think about how that would have impacted our primary and our general election this year, U.S. Senate race. Um, You have Michael Bennett. I think he was uncontested on the Dem side. I'd have to go back and check that. Um, But then obviously we had a very contentious primary on our side of the ballot uh, on the Republican side. So under this model, Michael Bennett, Senator Bennett would move through, as would have Joe O'Day, Ron Hanks, and whoever finished fourth, if there was a fourth candidate, which means if you think about it from a Republican perspective, O'Day and Hanks are going to are going to draw votes away from each other. They're going to split the Republican vote. And then Michael Bennett would sail easily uh, to reelection. Now, the inverse can happen in Republican states as well. Um, but, it, you know, that kind of thing makes me a little bit uncomfortable, too. Yeah. And I guess thinking of that scenario, I mean, it would be likely that another Democrat would run, too, if they knew that the top four get in or whatever. Right. And so I I I'm not I don't support that, but I do think it makes a little bit more sense that everybody gets one vote and then it moves on from there. I guess mm-hmm. my in this scenario and you were talking kind of, you know, you, me and and George running. And if you get the lowest, you drop off. I was thinking of there's a race in Oregon right now, gubernatorial race where you have an independent uh, person who was a former Democrat who has a ton of money and has a shot at winning. Right. And so mm-hmm. you're a voter and you say, Okay, uh, I want this person to win, but if they don't, and I'm the and, and she ends up third, now I get to you know get basically a second vote and and support the Democrat there, for example, and, and it could be Republicans or vice versa. But I'm thinking of this whole like one person, one vote, unless you vote for the third person, and then you get another vote in that process. I guess is that concerning at all to you? Uh, it is. I mean, when you when you have an election where somebody who gets the plurality of votes may not win the election because um, because of a construct inside the model. Um, you know, I mean, that, that certainly um, seems to be antithetical to everything we've worked for in terms of one person, one vote. Um, I, you know, that's just that's one of the things uh, that's just one of the issues. You know, there's the idea that ranked choice voting proponents say that it will lead. Um, so think the Aurora City Council race, right? The at large race where uh, there's a ton of people running for office. You won't get candidates with 50% plus one. RCV proponents say, hey, this will take care of it. Actually, it won't. We've seen RCV elections, um, where if they go on for a long time and you can't, it takes a while to, you keep dropping candidates and you, and by the time you're with, you don't get 50%, you don't get 50% plus one. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't even meet its stated objectives. Others say that it leads to kinder, gentler campaigns because you're not going to be a jerk if you think that somebody may rank you second or third. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen data to support that either. Um, so there's just lots of concerns. And I think guys, 
one of my biggest concerns right now is, as you guys know, we've been fighting a little bit of disinfo about our elections over the last couple of years. Um, and we have been pushing back as election administrators. I know, right? Who'd have thunk it? Um, that there's not an algorithm in our voting systems that is determining the winner, um, which there's not. Um, now, ranked choice voting, we would literally be turning the results of a contest over to an algorithm to determine who wins. Um, and so, you know, before we go and do this, George, I think you and I talked about this the other day. You know, we're, we're, it's really a Herculean task that election officials are up to, uh, up against right now, trying to rebuild public confidence in our elections. So before we go and throw something, um, dramatic like this at, at the, at citizens in Colorado, let's take our time. Let's rebuild public confidence. And then if we find there's a problem statement, which again, I haven't, I haven't heard of a good problem statement with our current plurality system, then we can take a look at other options. But to throw a big curveball at people right now, after we've just come off um, all of the lies about our elections right now, uh, it just seems nuts to me. It does seem like there is a narrative, by the way, there is a problem statement. It's just the one that speaks to the who gets elected thing. And that is, man, politics sure is nasty. Partisanship sure is unproductive. People sure throw sharp elbows. But that all gets to who the candidates are, not who's voting for the candidates. Can can we talk about this upcoming election? Yeah. As you know, the last several elections going back to the 1920s have all been stolen. Um, I don't <laughs> really for the back. Any, little further really back. I think Abe Lincoln evidence. really lost. I think Abe <laughs> Lincoln really lost. <laughs> I want a recount yeah. of that particular election. Um that's a, there's a lot of myths out there about what's going on. Here's one I will dispel just because you taught me this. And that is people are like, man, I sure wish on these drop boxes we had cameras. If we had cameras on all the drop boxes and you were like, done, we do. We have cameras on every single drop box that's out there. As you look into the ballots that are going into the mail and tell us what date that is, what are some of the other common myths that you hear about that might discourage someone from participating we just don't want that. We want as many right. good voters as possible out there. Um, wow. Well, I mean, there's there's so many right now. Um, you know, there's the, the idea of that there's ghost voters, that somehow people have found a way to um, uh, really um, create fake voters and put them in the voter registration system and have those ballots come in. We've seen no evidence of that. Um, you know, the, there's obviously the voting system stuff that's come out. Um, you know, what happened in Mesa County, um, you know, with Tina Peters certainly has raised a lot of questions. Um, and the reports out of, out of Mesa County that came out that Tina's team produced. I mean, I wouldn't want to insult amateurs by calling those the conclusions in those report amateurs, but <laughs> for any serious election administrator, um, you know, you look at those reports, you read them through one or, you know, once or twice, and you're like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Um, so our voting systems are safe and secure. We do test them. We do audit elections after the fact. We do have bipartisan teams that go out to the ballot boxes. Um, we do hear a lot of talk about 2000 meals. I mean, that video was, you know, was for shit too. Um, By the way, they recounted there's only 1900 meals. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> I know, right? Funny how that works. Funny <laughs> how that works. Um, ballot boxes, those 24-hour boxes are incredibly popular here in Colorado. Somewhere around 80% of those who cast their mail ballot take it to a drop box. Me too. I do. I yeah. do right here in Parker. We pick those ballots. Counties pick those ballots up every day, sometimes multiple times a day. It's the safest, most secure way to cast your ballot. Our friends at the post office, um, you know, they're great. They're great partners, but their record of delivering mail isn't quite 100 percent. I'm not aware of anybody. Don't tell Amber I said that. Um, I'm not aware of anybody 
um, who was called to say, oh, I put my ballot in a drop box and you haven't received it. Um, so we do have them under 24-7 video surveillance. It doesn't mean we can't get better cameras, that we don't need to improve that. We want to do that. Um, but we have seen no data um, or, or anything at these boxes to support any of the wild claims uh, that have been made. Michael's got some concerns. He keeps getting extra ballots at his house under names like Feichel Meals and some version of that. <laughs> he tried to vote once for someone named Grena Giswold. Yeah. Which is an awkward name, but you know. So that does that does happen uh, from time to time, not nearly as often as what people try to make it out to do. Um, if somebody gets a ballot at their house that doesn't belong to them, it still has to go through the signature verification process, which is very robust here in Colorado. Um, so the thing is, we get lots of questions. Well, I've been getting this ballot here at my house for years. Um, why is that? Well, have you called the clerk? to tell them that you're getting a ballot that doesn't belong to you at your house. I mean, you know, there's some personal responsibility involved in this too. Um, our list maintenance is among uh, the best in the country, but it doesn't mean that we can't get better and improve on it. It doesn't mean that we don't have ballots like that get, uh, get delivered to people. So help us out. Let us know. Um, the other thing, dead voters, right? You know, we hear that there are thousands of yeah, dead voters running around El Paso County in, 20, in uh, 2021 had somebody give them a list of 760 names, 759 that they thought they did. They did their own canvas of the list and they're like, these people are dead and they voted. Um, the DA and Chuck Roman, the clerk down there, looked at the entire list, went through. They got one right out of 759. <laughs> And Chuck and his team had caught that through signature verification. The ballot was rejected. It was not counted. And it was sent to the district attorney. So, you know, can we improve our systems? Yes. But should people feel confident that their ballots can be cast and counted um, securely and accurately? 100%. Matt, I'm curious. You know, there's a lot of loud voices. You know, and one, I think that there's always improvements we can make to any system. But there are a lot of loud voices out there. And it doesn't mean that it's, you know, nearly a majority of people or any, you know, even a lot of people. I guess what's your I don't know if you've seen polling or what's your take on how many you know, what percentage of Coloradans trust our system, uh, you know, as it is right now. And I'm just looking at, you know, the primary turnout, for example, even within Republicans, you know, it's like there was a good turnout. A lot mm -hmm. of unaffiliated voters voted too, et cetera. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily depressing turnout, these loud voices, but I guess you would know better kind of where public opinion is on this. Well, so I think, you know, as time, as we get away from 2020, um, and a lot of the work that um, not just election officials do, but, you know, you guys have been great standing up and talking about, you know, the security of our elections and people should feel confident. So um, it's really taken a lot of people to jump and try to turn the tide. But, you know, every time we look at the U.S. Senate right now and we and we look at it and we cringe with the garbage that's happening in Washington and we don't have a backstop there, we don't have a backstop because of a lie about our elections that suppressed Republican turnout in Georgia in their runoffs in 2021. We win both of those races. Turnout, Republican turnout was down in large part because Trump, uh, Lynn Wood and others were running around telling people, oh, there's an algorithm. Lynn Wood was actually saying to Republicans, don't vote and that'll reveal the algorithm. He put that on social media. Um, unfortunately, that Dominion lie got started by uh, or at least helped really amplified by somebody here in Colorado. Um, so it has had a major impact on elections, on turnout and on the Republican Party. Um, and that, you know, uh, it pisses me off across that spectrum there. 
Um, I think people are getting, I haven't seen any recent polling, especially as it pertains to Colorado. I think more and more people are coming around. Um, and I will tell you as well, you know, for some of the people, there are some true believers, but for some of the people that have been pushing this narrative, they hate mail ballot. They want to go back voting, you know, in person. Um, you know, these people sure vote their mail ballot and get it in early quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, do as I say, not as I do, which kind of lends to uh, people grifting either for votes or for money, which is which is disgraceful. And all it's done, you guys know this, you know, when when Democrats go after Republicans right now, election denialism is one of the top issues. Um, and it's all because we have these, you know, bad actors on our side of the aisle that keep pushing this um, for their own gain, which is which is disgusting. It's it's hurt, setting back the party and conservatism more uh, more than people realize, I think. Well, the election was stolen, Matt. I'm sorry. I don't really have any evidence of it, but I feel it in my heart and my bones. And every time I look at the White House, I think to myself, what happened? I'm kidding. I uh, I do have a question for you, though, as yeah. our last question. And that is when people start looking at the results in November, mm-hmm. the, the worry that I think some folks have is they look back at, let's say, 2014. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to bed. Corey is up a little bit. Um, uh, Beaupre is up a little bit. And then when they wake up, just like what happened in 2020 with the president, it's like, oh, my God, the numbers are. Yeah. How is it with all of this mail in balloting and all the voodoo ticket? How is it that we don't know the results that night? Uh, that's a great question. That's something that comes up. And just so people know, um, most jurisdictions across the country have not been done counting on election night um, for 20, 30 years. I mean, it's counting paper ballots and doing it accurately and securely takes a long time. So, uh, you know, I look back at my election in 18, right? When I, um, you know, George, that was kind of a, a, a year for you and I. Um, I don't have any recollection. Yeah, I kind of block it out too. Um <laughs> You know, the first results report, I was up um, and I, you know, my staff was like, oh, congratulations. And I'm like, no, I'm going to lose. And they're like, how do you know you're going to lose? I'm like, you know, I, I'm not up by enough. So when you look at the turnout, yeah. uh, especially here in Colorado, Republicans have tended to vote earlier and then Dems do an amazing job with get out the vote at the last minute. So if Republicans aren't up by a certain amount in most counties, um, then they're going to go underwater at some point before the election is certified. It's not, it's not voodoo. It's not fraud. It's not ghost voters. It's the trends that have been consistent in Colorado going back years. Um, so it's not, you know, if people have questions, go take a tour of your election facility. Um, talk to your clerk and recorder. Um, you know, get, talk to experts. Um, and, you know, all of this stuff makes sense. The data is there. It all supports what happens. Um, it's not a lie and it's not a stolen, uh, it's not a stolen election. Matt Crane, I can't thank you enough, man. Next time we have you on, I'd like you to talk us through how to steal an election. (laughs) If I'm so good at it, George, I wouldn't have lost myself. (laughs) Such a a good point. Uh, uh, one quick thing. Can I throw in one quick thing before we go to no math, but yes, yes. Very quickly. Um, So we hear a lot about election security. People are concerned about it. What we're trying to push is that people can take ownership, personal responsibility over their own election security, right? So go take a tour of your election facility. Um, Go online to govotecolorado.gov and verify that your registration is up to date. And if you've moved, make sure you update it so you get your ballot at your house. Um, Take a look at your sample ballot. Know the dates. Know the postage. Um, Get to know the election process yourself, and then you don't have to listen to pillow guys lie to you and get you all riled up. You can take ownership over election security. Those pillowy soft biscuits at Hardee's. Anyway, 
Uh, thank you, Matt Crane. Uh, Will, I'm sure we're going to talk to you again, maybe even up close to or just after the election piece. Uh, that wraps it up for another Advanced Colorado Shinedown. Uh, again, this has been George Brockler, and that is Michael Fields. Michael Fields. Uh, listen, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here, you've got some unresolved issues from your childhood, but please uh, subscribe to this, send it on to your friends, clip it, quote it, push it out in social media. We'll be back next time with some more cutting edge information. Signing off for now. Peace out. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancedcolorado.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.